Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1113. Four D's, dream, desire, dedication, and determination. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Ralph Shaheen. Hey, Ralph, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? That I am. Can't wait to fire it up and get rolling here. All right. Ralph Shaheen is the Fox Sports play-by-play talent for Monster Energy Supercross and the host talent for Fox Sports coverage of Formula E. He's the owner of Speedsport, the oldest and most trusted brand name in American motorsport journalism. Speedsport is 84 years old. I think Ralph's a little younger than that. It was started back in 1934 and uh, used to be owned by the iconic Chris Economaki. He produces two magazines, Speedsport and Sprint Car and Midget, and they host the website Speedsport.com. They produce over 30 national TV shows a year, including the award-winning Suzuki Presents Speedsport series for MAV-TV. Ralph is a true automotive and motorcycle enthusiast, and he's also a racer, logging laps and everything from sports cars and indie cars to carts and Thunder Roadsters. He's also competed in the Baja 1000 and took a second place finish in Class 7 4x4. Wow, you're all over the place. Well, Ralph, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment to share a little bit more about your career and a very obvious passion for automobiles and motorsport? Uh, well, thanks. And thanks for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure to be a part of this really strong list of names you've got here on You're your welcome. show. And I'm just a, a real, very fortunate, dyed-in-the-wool, race fan, car guy, motorcycle nut, petrol head, whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> I have the same passion for this stuff that, you know, it's all about what happens when air and gasoline mix in a combustion engine, right? That's what gets us all excited. That smell, that sound, that noise, that speed. And I've just been very fortunate to have the dream to take that passion and turn it into some sort of a career. And I have found a way to do it now, 30 years on national TV. Wow. Well, you discovered the secret sauce to life. That's what Garcia is all about. People who've wrapped that passion into what they're doing. So hopefully you're going to share a little of that secret sauce and inspire us today. And as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been important to you, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires smoking here on Cars. Yeah, so Ralph, take the wheel. You know, one I I think I stumbled across was in a book of motivational type stuff from some NFL coaches, and I don't remember which coach it was that, that said this, but he had four D's. Dream, desire, dedication, and determination. You have to have a dream. You have to have the desire to actually get up and start pursuing said dream. You got to have the dedication that when things get a little bit tough, you're going to continue to chase after that dream. And you have to have the determination that when the rug literally gets pulled out from under you on that journey, which it will more than once, that you're going to get up off the floor and continue on your path and not have anybody tell you you can't achieve your dream. Nice. I know uh, Jesse Owens used that quote, uh, the four D's of success. So maybe that's where that originally came from. I'm not absolutely positive, but I know that 
He did say we all have dreams, but in order to make those dreams come true and into a reality, it takes an awful lot of determination, dedication, self-discipline, and effort. So there's a twist on it, but there you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, let's go back in time. Now, you've been a car guy forever. Sounds like you have, but I'd love for you to share a story that instigated that passion for cars. Is there a a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were going to be a car guy? As I think back on it, and you try to guess when that moment was that the light bulb went off, the closest I can come was fall of 1969. I would have been about five years old. Uh, My parents took me to my first race, which was a USAC back then known as Champ Cars, the dirt indie cars, if you will. AJ Foyt, Mario Andretti, Johnny Rutherford, the Unser brothers, all those guys were there chasing the national championship as it was back in those days. And I can remember to this day when the racing was over, of course, I was wowed by the sense of speed and the smell and all the dirt flying and all that. (laughs) And my dad walking me across the track after the race my feet sticking to the mud and coming around the corner into the pits as they would allow you to do back then after the races, you know, to meet the drivers and see the cars up close. And there sat Mario's bright orange STP number two. And I mean, I was just hooked. (laughs) That was it. It was over. I had seen the car race. Now I was up close to it. I got to touch the tire, you know, see Mario. I became a huge fan of racing that day and a huge fan of Mario. And, uh, you know, on down the road, I went, I was done from that moment going forward. Oh my gosh. I mean, for a young man, young child, uh, to encounter that and those iconic racers and that kind of racing, Yeah, the smells, the touch, the feel. I mean, you just took us there. What a wonderful memory to have. (laughs) That's awesome. Wow. Well, you know, the the best part about it is I still have that sense today. You know, I, I get that same little kid feeling when I enter the Indianapolis Motor Speedway or I go to the Knoxville Nationals and I hear, you know, a sprint car thundering down the back straightaway at Knoxville or I watch a motorcycle fly through the air over a triple jump at a Supercross. It's still, to this day, uh, in my 30th year of doing this on national TV or however many years since I was five, I'm still as giddy about it and I get the hair standing up on my arms from that sound, those smells to this day. And to me, that's what it's all about. Well, no doubt that is the key to your success as you carried that enthusiasm throughout your entire life, which has been tremendous. And it, it comes across in listening to you talk today and as I've listened to you on air and all the reporting that you've done, all the things you've done, it's really pretty fantastic that it's stuck with you all these years. Let's talk about all these years and talk about the many roads you've traveled down. No doubt you've been awesomely successful, but also I'm sure there's been some challenging times, maybe even a failure or two mixed in there. And I'd love for you to share one of those situations with us because these are incredible learning opportunities. So walk us through one of those, kind of take us down that journey around that track and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career. I think one that jumps out at me um, that was a bit of a turning point when things turned over for the first time in NASCAR television for the the first massive turnover, Mm -hmm. which would have come at the end of the 2000 season when I had been working with CBS 
and TNN and CBS had had the Daytona 500 for so many years, just like ABC was so legendary, you know, with their coverage of the Indy 500. Oh, you know, those two networks with those two events, you just you just expected those events to air on those networks and to be a part of that CBS crew was so special to me. I was working with them and TNN covering NASCAR, and all of a sudden, CBS, TNN, and ESPN, ABC. We're all out of NASCAR in one quick swipe. Yeah. And in came, you know, NBC, TNT, and Fox. I didn't have one of those gigs. And yeah. it was a big blow to the system. Oh, man. I had worked so hard with this huge goal of, you know, getting to the top of the mountain, if you will, which for me was doing either. Indy 500 on ABC or Daytona 500 on CBS. Those were the two premier, most pristine positions in my industry. And I had one. And all of a sudden, I didn't have it anymore. How could CBS not be televising Daytona? That just, Uh, just, how did that happen? You know, I couldn't understand that. I had to realize that, hey, you know, this business of television sports, that happens all the time. That was just the first time that particular rug had been yanked out from underneath me and that dream, desire, dedication, determination saying, I had to realize, you know, the other old saying of when one door closes, another one opens. Mm -hmm. And I had to look for that door. And I just wasn't ready to start that search. But since then, I'd have had many amazing opportunities to walk through other doors that were every bit as gratifying career-wise. I was a play-by-play voice of the NHRA. I was a play-by-play voice of World of Outlaws and now the play-by-play voice of Monster Energy Supercross. And I've done MotoGP and all these other things that I would not have done if I had been just doing that NASCAR gig. It was uh, shocking to the system when it happened, but it taught me that, okay, if something dramatically changes like that career-wise, take a breath, take a pause. I had a mentor at the time who said, just lay low, let all the bullets fly over the top. And then when things (laughs) quiet down, come up for air, look around, survey the landscape and figure out your next move. Yeah. What a a nice way to put it. And, you know, I've I've had some great I've had so many great people on this show, but David Hobbs and Lee Diffie, who were on the show last year, and of course, the change that occurred with them with F1 coverage, and they both said very similar things that at first you go, what do you mean? I'm not going to do this anymore. And then you have to kind of look around and go, all right, well, especially the case of both those guys, they've been in the industry for a long time, just like you. You have to kind of realize that uh, the TV industry is, if one thing is constant, it's change within television. Uh, you talk to anybody who's a celebrity or has had a TV show or anything, you just never know when that bullet's coming and it's going gonna, it's gonna to tap you right in the forehead and you've got to stop and go, what do I redo? But I love the fact that you took that opportunity to see another door opening. And I think that's my takeaway from your story for those people who might find themselves in that situation where they've got the rug yanked out and it was no fault of their own, whatever it is, a job loss or whatever that might be. So is that your... Your primary advice for somebody when this happens is to take a breath, step back, relax for a little bit, and then start looking around for those other doors. 
Yeah, it is. And I would like to tell you it's an easy thing to do. It's not. No. It is painful. <laughs> no. It is difficult. Scary. It was, it, was, it was really tough to do. I've had to do it numerous times since. And Hopefully, I'll never have to do it again, but you always have to be prepared to. And, and I got to yeah. tell you, too, that if it wasn't for my wife, Kimberly, I don't know if I'd have been able to do it that time. You know, yeah. it, it takes yeah. somebody being supportive, whether it's a friend or a loved one or a significant other of some sort to, mm-hmm. you know, support you and kind of help you maybe look with some clear glasses for you that, hey, this is yeah. going to be okay, you know? Yeah, so important. And I've heard that from so many guests. Having a great partner in your life is so key. Because they can be there to lean on, and it's important to listen to them uh, because they have a whole different perspective, and they know you so well, and they know you are going to come out better on the other end. So uh, thanks for sharing that painful time. Let's let's talk <laughs> about a big aha moment in your career, a time when those headlights kind of illuminate a new path for you. You're involved in so many cool things. Is there one you'd like to share that might be a very good inspiration for somebody to say, wow, look what can happen? Well, I think it would have to be what we're doing with Speed Sport. You know, when when Chris Economaki had passed away, uh, Speed Sport had been a family business all the way up until that point, and the family decided they just they were done. Dad was gone, and they were done, and they were ready to move on to something else. So the brand went out of business and lay dormant for a year and a half. And myself and a couple of other partners got together and said, you know, we just can't let this thing die. So we took a gamble. We took a risk. We jumped out on a very weak limb and and bought what we knew was a brand that was very significant. But look, we jokingly say it's an 84-year-old startup, you know, because (laughs) it it had been dead and buried for a year and a half. So even though some people knew about it, it had been weak in the knees in its older age and gone for a year and a half. And we had to try to, you know, make a newspaper relevant in a digital age. And we, we've done that by turning it into a full-blown media company of not a newspaper, but magazines and TV and all the other stuff you listed there for mm-hmm. us at the beginning. So the aha moment for me, I think, comes almost every day in that the media industry now is changing so fast. Every day there's new technology and new ways of doing it and another social media platform and TV is done this way and it's cheaper this way and the quality is better and all this kind of craziness that those aha moments keep popping up every day as to how can we take speed sport that's 84 years old and aha, we can take it over here and we can take it over there and we can make it over here and maybe take this legendary brand in racing and keep it alive for generations through new technologies that every day make us go, wow, I didn't know we could do that. You know, what you've shared is an incredibly golden, large golden nugget, I think, for people out there. And, you know, Chris Conamacchi, and you think I can hear his voice still in my brain because you just grew up with the guy listening to him talk about motorsports and all the great events. But you shared a really important thing, and that is a, a pivot point is to take something and reinvent it. And I always say the most successful people in anything, business, entertainment, whatever, they're constantly reinventing themselves. They're not sitting back on their laurels and doing the same thing over and over again, because especially today, that dies. So uh, kudos to you and the team for for seeing that and taking that inspiration and turning it, pivoting it into so many different cool things. Uh, another great inspiration for what you guys have done. Thank you for that. That's very, very cool. Well, thanks. You know, and, and it's... It is a team effort because 
And a lot of it comes from my 12-year-old and my 15-year-old, right? Because that's where you learn about all the new technology because <laughs> yes, all of us older of guys over yeah. <laughs> here, you know, at the uh, office, we don't know half of this stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a very exciting time in the media industry because of all that new technology that's coming so fast. You know, I'm chuckling here. My son works for Google. He's a young man. He's been out of college for two years now. And I open up my Gmail this morning and Google's gone and done it again. They changed the way contacts looks. And, you know, the layout, everything's different. And I'm like, ah, and I send him a text and I say, what are you Google heads doing over there? You've messed up my contacts. And he goes, dad, change is a good thing. Accept it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny. We were going over a big news story the other day and talking about it. And our editor, Mike Kirchner, who worked with Chris for years back in the paper days, was laughing. I said to Mike, I said, how do you think Chris would view this story and how we're covering it? And he said, well, we would have broken the story 15 minutes later than we did. I said, why is that? He said, because I would have had to explain to him again how the internet works. <laughs> and I think he would have loved it, you know? Oh, yeah. I think he would have loved it. Well, let's have a little bit of fun as if we're not already having a great time here and talk about your first really special vehicle car, that first ride that was really important to you, and maybe share a memory you have about that car. You know, as a true gearhead, I haven't owned as many cars as you might think I have. I mean, I've been very fortunate. I've, I've had my share, but I've got buddies who've owned as many cars as I have in my entire life. They've owned in a year. You know, the, you know that guy, right? Every, every two months, he's trading it in for something new. But I think what gets me is I find a vehicle that I'm really passionate about. I get it. And then it takes me a while before they come out with something else that really gets me going. Now, look, we can all say, you know, a 67 big black Corvette. Yeah, well, heck, we all like that, right? But I'm yeah. talking about I'm talking about newer vehicles as I was a, a kid. Now, the first car I had was a, a Grand Sport with a 455, and I, I inherited that off my mom, who was obviously pretty cool, uh, oh, to yeah. have been driving a, a late-generation so. muscle car. <laughs> no but kidding. then from there, the first car that I really picked out and said, I want to own one of those was a first-generation RX-7. which was a really fun car and a very cool car to have at that age because, man, that was a great sports car, super reliable, and you could have a ton of fun with it. And I made it look like, you know, Tommy Kendall's GTU racer. You know, (laughs) uh, I I was right there, you know, with the the big air dam on the front and dropped it down and the Yankee wheels and the whole thing, you know. Nice. So uh, I could have gone and raced a Camel GTU event any time with that thing. I was all in. I think as you um, as you move through, each of those cars holds a special place for you, you know? I don't know for me if I could say, you know, the RX-7 is the most special or my current car, which is a Corvette C7 with the Z51 package on it. Ooh, um, okay. Because that, I was, everybody's excited about getting that RX-7 back then, which was a used car, as I was now as a fortunate guy able to, you know, check the boxes and build the car the way I wanted to and take delivery at my dealership. Yeah. So yeah. they're they're all special to me because I buy them and I I put two hundred and twenty thousand miles on that RX seven. Wow. Nice. Nice. You know? yeah. yeah. And then I then I sold that and bought a used Nissan three hundred Z X, which was at the time the last generation of that car, because I thought that thing looked really cool. Um, so I buy them and I hold on to them just because I really like them. 
Good for you. Well, we both share something here, Ralph. My mom's pretty cool, too. She bought one of those first-generations RX-7s. And, uh, yeah, I used to, please, Mom, let me drive the car. Let me drive the car. So, <laughs> yeah, very, very fun. Of course, you mentioned Tommy Kendall. He's been a guest here on Cars. Yeah, he was my 500th guest and came back to be my 1,000th guest when he interviewed me, which was a twist to the mic, which is pretty cool. So, uh, shout-out to Tommy Kendall, one really nice guy. Uh, TK is one of the best. Yeah, he's awesome. How about uh, Seller's Remorse? I would imagine there's one car that you've let go you really wish you had back. You know, I, I guess it would be that RX-7, only from the standpoint that when I think, you know, I that was the first car that I really, I got it and was able to take it from bone stock and have this passion as a race fan for what was going on with the Camel GT series back then in IMSA. And I really thought those GTU RX-7s looked so cool back then. You know, I was able to sift through all the parts catalogs and pick out the wheels I wanted. And it was the first time I did all that. I, I think maybe from that standpoint, I would want that car back and I would want it exactly the way I had it and have fun with it. Uh, it would be cool to have it to share with my kids now. Even though the Grand Sport was my first car, I think for me, the RX-7 was the first car that I was able to actually take the passion I had inside and put it into real form, right? The wheels are the way I liked it, The you know, all the different things on it, the way I wanted it. Very cool. Well, what are you working on these days, Ralph, that has you really excited and fired up with your business? Well, that would have to be speed sport, you know, kind of back to what we were saying before, because it is a passion thing. The idea of buying a newspaper in this digital age, when you when you just say it out loud, right? When you say those words, <laughs> yeah, what am so I doing? Stupid, right? It's, it's <laughs> like I say to people all the time, if you just said to somebody, hey, I'm going to build this car and you, you describe how a modern day 410 sprint car works, this mm -hmm. is what I'm going to make. Somebody would say, you're nuts. Are you kidding me? Right? <laughs> that thing's never going to go around in a circle. But they work perfectly. And, and we're chasing this dream of keeping speed sport alive and making it relevant and, and continuing to keep it burning for future race fans. That to me is what's exciting because we get to chase the news every day. We get to do what Chris was doing every day and show that journalism is not dead. Maybe the newspaper is, but journalism is not. We're just doing it in a different way. Nice. Well, kudos to you again for doing that. I think it's awesome. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Ralph. If you were manifested into a vehicle, what would Ralph be and why? <laughs> I'd love to hear my wife answer that, right? Her, pers <laughs> yes. her perspective of me and my perspective of me <laughs> might yeah. be radically different. And, you know, I'm going to ask her this question when I get home just for fun. Okay. Okay. Um, for me, let, me, let me put it to you this way first, and I'm going to tell you which car I think fits this image. Every broadcaster has their own style. That's what, that's what makes us great. You mentioned Lee and you mentioned David and my buddies, Bob Varsha and Mike Joy and all these, these yeah. great voices that have been on the air for so many years. We all do it differently and we're supposed to. It's yeah. a very subjective deal. You're, you know, do you like the Rolling Stones or the Beatles? They're, well, they're both great and they're both in the Hall of Fame and they should be, right? For me, if somebody said, what is your broadcast style? For me, it's a passionate call. It's an emotional call. It's an excitement call. I'm still that little kid seeing Mario's car up close for the first time every time I go on the air. For me, that excitement means 
just like that race day. It's going to be loud. It's going to be maybe a bit obnoxious. It might be a little <laughs> bit over the top for some people. It's going to have bright paint jobs. It's going to have big wheels and flared fenders and, you know, snarling exhaust pipes. And I want it to wake up the neighbors. I want it to wake up the neighbors every time I pull out of the driveway, right? That's, that's, that's what I want it to do. So if I'm thinking about the current landscape of vehicles that are out there, which one does that best? It's not about necessarily the top speed, but maybe it's more about that snarl out of the pipe and that look and that sense of emotion it's going to put into a kid as it rolls down the street while he's standing at the corner waiting for his school bus, then it's probably the brand new Corvette ZR1. Nicely said. Nicely put. There we go. Well, Ralph, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. All right, Ralph, we're back, and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of that Corvette throttle. So here we go. <laughs> What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Laps. Just laps. Because the same thing goes with broadcasting, right? It's yep. the same thing with, with fine-tuning your racing craft. It's the same thing with broadcasting and perfecting that craft. You just got to get out there and keep doing it. And yeah. and never quit. I understand. I've done it 1,113 times now here on Car right. Show. Think of how much better you'll be when you double that number, right? I'm working on it, Ralph. I'm working on it. It's only possible because of great people like you. You're a nice <laughs> mentor for me. 
Now, how about a personal habit? Uh, is there one that you believe has contributed to your many successes? Yeah. If I was to give you one, I would say, well, you know what? I'm going to give you two. Okay. One is that I, I am completely immersed in this passionate job of mine to the fact that I am reading about, learning about, watching about, talking to people about racing, cars, motorcycles, 24-7, 365. Christmas morning, I always look for the book that my wife got me that I wanted about some of, something else in racing that I didn't know about that I can't wait after all the gifts are unwrapped and I can get 10 minutes to sit by myself and look through. I'm that yeah. kind of guy, right? Yeah. The other yeah. thing I would tell you that really may, has helped me in broadcasting is when I was early on in my career, a PA announcing races all over Northern California where I grew up, I also got a job announcing ladies' fashion shows. That what? sounds crazy, yeah. but it was a paid gig, which was one positive. Of course, there were cute models. That was a nice thing, too. But what was really important was that I knew nothing about what I was talking about. Mm. And I had to figure out, how am I going to make this show work every time I had to do it? Yep. So what that helped me with is when you're on live television broadcasting to the country and some guy knocks the fence down and you're down for an hour or two while they repair the wall, what are you going to talk about? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And figuring out how you're going to carry that show, I learned doing ladies fashion shows that I knew nothing about. Very interesting. Very, very interesting indeed. You took me to a place I never thought we'd go. That was cool. (laughs) Well, how about a resource? There are so many great resources these days. Is there one you'd like to share? Sure, speedsport.com. I kind of thought you'd say that. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Absolutely. listen, when it was a newspaper, it was considered the Bible of, of motorsports and that everybody needed it to know who won. Well, now you can find out who won, you know, on Twitter. But now what speedsport.com is, it's that paper in the Internet. And mm-hmm. there is no better place to get the journalism that you always knew you could trust and believe in that source you could always go to for the real story, no matter what's being said out there when it comes to this industry of ours, speedsport.com is still as trusted as that old newspaper was. Absolutely. I'll make sure I put a link on Ralph Shono's page. You should check it out if you've not already been there. Now, I'm going to wave a magic wand here today and arrange for you to sit down and have a drink with someone from the automotive or racing industry, living or deceased. Who would you like that to be? Mario Andretti. You know, I've been fortunate enough to not only have watched Mario race in so many different cars over the years, and but I've become friends with him too. And as a that kid from 1969, I can't believe I can say that my racing hero is also a friend. But, you know, I haven't had that chance, right, to just go to a, go to St. Elmo's during the, the month of May in Indy and just hang out with Mario and, you know, share a filet or two and a bottle of his wine and just, you know, talk about anything and everything. I've had great moments of being able to talk with him about certain things, but it would be really fun to have, you know, that three to four hour dinner conversation where you could just, who knows where it's going to take you. You might talk F1 for a while and then, you know, racing at Le Mans and then dirt tracks at Terre Haute and, you know, all that kind of stuff. He's done it all, raced it all, raced everybody, won at all those places. And it would be really cool to hear all of those stories in one evening. 
Oh, wouldn't it be? I would love to have him as a guest on this show, too. He's somebody that, uh, yeah, I think about going back when I was a kid, and he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, you talk about somebody who drives too fast, uh, just an everyday Joe. That's Mario. Hey, don't be a Mario. Right. You know, I right. mean, he's just, he's, he's yeah. one of those, those words. So, yeah, that would be fantastic, especially an evening meal, uh, almost for sure. Well, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would really enjoy? Sure, Speed Sport. <laughs> no, Here we no. go. You know, <laughs> there, there, there really are a ton of great books out there. Um, yeah. I don't know if there's one in particular that jumps out at me that is is more remarkable than another. I did enjoy uh, Black Noon. That was a mm-hmm. uh, a really interesting book about the Indianapolis 500. But I would also tell you that you know there's great stories every month in speed sport. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That is a place to go. Well, listeners, I'll remind you, I'll put links to all these great resources Ralph has shared on his Cars yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Ralph Shaheen, S-H-E-H-E-E-N is the spelling of his last name. Uh, make sure you check it out. There are some really cool things. And of course, Speed Sport, that is the place to be. All right, Ralph, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car you'd like to have, but there's a couple rules to this game. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. Money's no object, of course, because I'm writing the checks, so don't worry about that. I'll even cover the insurance for you, so don't even wow. think that way. Yeah, you what even a guy. Know my driving record. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> and uh, the other rule here is it's the only one you can have in your garage. You can keep that daily driver Corvette, but this is the only collector car you can have. But you also have to drive it and enjoy it. There's no garage queens here. So what can I buy you today? Well, you're going to get me two things because I'm a two-wheel and a four-wheel guy. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So my four-wheel would be a, um, well, it'd be hard to pass up a Ferrari 250 GTO since no money is, is, uh, you know, (laughs) out there, right? There's no limit. But let's be a little bit realistic, and I'll go with a Ferrari F40. I always thought the Ferrari F40 was to me, I mean, I know they've made, you know, better performing cars and all that, like the La Ferrari and all that, but there was just something about the F40 that really struck a chord with me. I I thought when it came out, it was just spectacular. Like everybody else, I'd had, you know, Countach posters on my wall and all that, but the F40 really struck a chord like we talked about, you know, and and that's a car had I had the money or if I had the money today, even though there's other vehicles out there, the performance-wise might be better. I think that car is one that I would hold on to happily in my garage and just could walk out and stare at it and uh, think, wow, that is just an amazing piece of machinery. The other one on the two-wheel side would also be an Italian. It would be a Ducati, and it would be a 916. To me, that is just the epitome of what a sport bike should look like and sound like and just all the emotions that come out of that vehicle. The same with the Ferrari. They both just ooze that emotion out of it. I I could just, (laughs) I could get a 916 hanging on a wall, put a frame around it and go, there you go. It'd be one of the most beautiful pieces of art I could own. Yeah, it is a beautiful work of art. Uh, And of course, the analog nature of the F40. I mean, when that car came out, it's just basically an F1 car with a 
body slapped on it. But yep. Oh, my gosh. You picked two pre- special cards. You know, I'm feeling really generous today, and I've never allowed any guest to keep two cards, but I'm going to get both of those for you today, Ralph. Because <laughs> oh, You know, you're the best, you know, Mark. I, I think you, you need these cars in your life and this bike in your <laughs> this car and this bike in your life. I have a special place in my heart for Italian motorcycles. And Butch Dennison, who was an early guest on my show, a good friend of mine, incredible restoration shop, Dennison International. Uh, he's got a fantastic collection of Ducati motorcycles. In fact, he has my old MV Agusta. Sits Ooh. in the lobby. He sits in the foyer of his house. His wife, Nancy, bought it for him for an anniversary gift. And uh, I don't think it's turned to wheels since I sold it to them, but it's just a work of art, which, of course, you know, the MV Agusta is just you know, the F4. Oh, yeah. Incredible car. Wow. Well, you picked some nice rides today, Ralph. You've taken us on a great ride today. I knew this would be fun. I've really enjoyed learning more about you. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yow listeners. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset, either in that F40 or that Duck 916? You know, I I think it would be what we talked about at the very beginning with that dream, desire, dedication, and determination. You know, I, I can remember my uncle saying when I was chasing this dream of becoming an announcer, at one point he actually said to me, when are you going to quit this foolishness and go get a real job? <laughs> when I was just PA announcing races out in California. And yeah. here I've, thank God, made a 30-year career out of it. And God willing, it'll be another 30 after this. Passion is what it's all about, to have a, a successful life. I tell my kids all the time, I don't care what you do. Just be passionate about what you do. Because if you are like me, you will never work a day in your life. You'll have challenging days and tough days, but you will never work a day in your life. There you go. Nice, nice words of wisdom. And what's the best way for our listeners again to follow along with you and Speed Sport? Well, SpeedSport, the best way to find out everything we're doing is just go to SpeedSport.com. Of course, we're on Twitter, Facebook, all the different social media platforms. But you can learn about everything we're doing at SpeedSport.com. I am on Instagram and Twitter at Ralph Shaheen, and you can find me on Facebook at Ralph Shaheen Sportscaster. So I look forward to interacting with the fans. I love to bench race with the fans. So please jump in there and let me know what you're thinking. Absolutely. And I'll remind you, I will put all these links on Ralph's show notes page. On the Cars Yeah website, you just go there, type Ralph in, and you will find all this. Follow along with SpeedSport. If you have any kind of passion at all for motor racing, this is the place to be. Ralph, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your enthusiasm with the listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. It's been great being on the show. I, I really appreciate you having me on. You're welcome. You take care of your cars. But who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. 
Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.